Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Base Hip Ball 4 podcast. My name is Glenn Negris, alongside Tyler Boomstick, Alex Cashman, Scott Roswald. We have finally arrived at the 2020 World Series. Uh, it, it was a wild ride in the LCS. The Braves were up 3-1, to one, the Rays were up 3-0, and it was that both series ended up at a Game 7. The Astros threatened to make up a 3-0 disadvantage for the first time since the 0-4 Red Sox against the Yankees, and the Braves threatened to overtake the Dodgers that many saw in spring training as the best team in baseball, the prohibitive favorite in the entire game to win the World Series. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers prevailed, coming back from 2-0 and then 3-1. Um, it was a classic Game 7 yesterday, very entertaining. Big shot from Cody Bellinger, uh, Urias getting the final nine outs and wrapping up the pennant for the Dodgers. And on the other side, um, a Rosarina carries the Rays to the American League pennant. So before we get into our World Series you know, preview and our predictions later on, just uh, some final thoughts on the uh, very entertaining LCSs. Uh, you can start with the Braves base running, which lost them the series. I mean, I, was, I mean, playing simple is bad. I mean, can't make those mistakes in the playoffs, let along the NLCS. So, um, some they couldn't recover from, and they didn't hit enough home runs coming down the end of the stretch, and it is what it is. And you, know, you got to give it to the Dodgers. They played phenomenal de- defense. Mookie robbed a couple of home runs. Cody Bellinger robbed the home run. They just played the better brand of baseball. Yeah, the game seven yesterday was, was phenomenal. Uh, that that home run from Bellinger was amazing. He's been struggling in the postseason like he like he traditionally has, but stepped up big when it mattered most. Uh, as Cash mentioned, the defense, I texted you guys yesterday, Mookie's worth every single cent that he gets paid just based off of his defense. Um, I was happy for Julio Urias, a kid who's – he's only 24 years old. He's been in the big league since he was 20. Um having a great postseason somebody who was highly touted for the Dodgers finally kind of putting it together I still want to see him used as a starter because I think he has that good of stuff Um, but he's having a great postseason and yeah the base running was bad Uh, really shocking a guy like Dansby Swanson would uh, get into a rundown there at between third and home and then just bad on Austin Riley's part not following him up and getting on just he needs to be standing at third base at that point. Like he shouldn't be having to run and slide into third on that play. Uh, so just bad on Atlanta. Um, and then Rays and Astros, another good series. I, I was rooting for the Astros to make it to the World Series just for the the drama that could have happened. Um, but Charlie Morton came in and shoved it down their throats. His former teammates um, made him pay. Uh, another great series, and I think we're going to have a good World Series on our hands. So, You're talking about the Charlie Morton thing, and I was really hoping that the Rays would blow the lead and Ashes were at least tied because Charlie Morton was shoving the entire time. They took him out after like six innings at, what, 70-ish pitches? Yeah. Just to go with the you don't – he doesn't face someone the third time through, and they went to the relievers. And Houston made it interesting. Correa had a two-run single in the seventh or the eighth, seventh or eighth inning to make it four to two. But that's kind of the jumping off point we talked about last week in terms of, you know, the analytics and how postseason baseball is won. Kevin Cash uh, opened himself up for a lot of second guessing if the Rays 
had lost that game and then blew the 3-0 series lead because Morton was dominant for the first six innings and they inexcusably took him out. The reasoning they take him out is because the numbers say that the third time through the order, the batting average skyrockets. But sometimes you have to just gauge what's going on right in front of you. And Charlie Morton had his A stuff. He was basically unhittable. And they took him out. And Houston made a game out of it. So it'll be interesting to see as we go into this World Series, especially because Glasnow and Snell and Morton aren't guys that have been, you know, going deep into games. That's the one knock on the Rays this postseason is they only get like around five innings from their starter. Now that the off days are back in between game two and three and then four or five and six, there's the off days back. It'll be interesting to see how both managers kind of manage their pitching staffs in contrast to what we've seen in the playoffs so far, whether it's just been the series just go straight through in consecutive days. Yeah, I mean, but I, th- I still think the edge goes to the, the Rays regardless because they just have the ability and we see it, what, 19 times a year on a full season and we saw it, I think, what, 10 times this year, 15 times this year? 10 times. Um, but the Rays' plus. bullpen is just that good. Like, it's it's – it's no knock on the Dodgers, but the Rays bullpen is just unbelievable. Like it, even when your starter goes five innings, you can throw four guys one day and three of those guys are available to even go the next day. And it's just that interchangeable rotation where every guy has that wipeout stuff. Um, whether it's like a guy like Diego Castillo who threw what 40 pitches in one outing against the Yankees after pitching the day before, um, keeps you honest with that fastball, either throws you that wacky sinker, two seamer, whatever you want to call that. Um, it's just ridiculous. They, they they literally have such a huge edge, and even their starters, you give them five solid, that's really all you can ask for. That's all we've been asking for as a Yankee fan is a solid five innings, and I just feel like that's no reason to knock the Rays' chances to win this World Series. Yeah, going back to the traditional formatting of the days off, it, it really benefits both teams, but I think it really benefits the Rays, as Ty mentioned. Their bullpen's so good. Uh, getting that extra day of rest is going to be huge for them. Because um, we've seen a lot of bullpen games so far throughout the postseason just because of the, the setup with playing every single day. They've had to go to it. And now they both teams can shorten the rotations as well. Like the Rays could probably get away with uh, Morton, Snell, and Glasnow as their three starters and then bullpen one game if they have to. Um, and same thing for the Dodgers. They can shorten it up, whereas teams have had to use their full – you know, a plethora of pitchers throughout the postseason because of the setup. But, um, it, yeah, I would agree. Rays have the edge pitching-wise, but the Dodgers are just are really, really good. I think that the, the Dodgers, all the pressure of this series is on the Dodgers. This is the third time in four years they've been to the World Series. They lost the Astros, lost the Red Sox. Last year they got bounced in the NLDS to the Nationals, who ended up winning the World Series. Now they're here again. And this is a team that went, what, 43-17 and 17 in the regular season. They walked to the playoffs. They really didn't face that much of a challenge for Milwaukee or San Diego. And then the wheels kind of fell off for a, a second against the Braves, going down 2-0 and then 3-1 and then trailing in game seven. And they were all over to overcome that. That was kind of the first time all year that the Dodgers have faced really any sort of significant adversity. They kind of just – kind of just took the magic carpet right to the NLCS. And then this series against the Braves was the first time they were actually challenged. So 
I think it was important for the Dodgers to kind of get punched in the face a little bit before the World Series because now we know that they can handle things not going their way, coming back from three games to one. They got some clutch performances under pressure. Corey Seager, a guy that a lot of people forget when we talk about the top shortstops in the game. Remember, he got hurt in 2018. That's why the Dodgers brought in Machado. And then 19 and 20, he's really reestablished himself as one of the top five shortstops in the game. So if you look pitching to starting pitching to starting pitching, bullpen to bullpen, and then lineup to lineup, it's really close on both sides. I mean, you can say that the Rays have the edge starting pitching wise, but then I can say, well, you know, Kershaw and Bueller can have a different, um, have another say in that. The one thing I do agree is that the Rays definitely have the advantage in the bullpen. I don't trust, trust Kenley Jansen to close out a game in this world series. And neither does Dave Roberts because he stuck with Urias, the 24 year old for the last nine outs of the game. So I think this is going to come down to can the Dodgers even not every single game, but like one or two games, can they get to that raised bullpen and put up a crooked number in the late innings? I think that's going to decide this world series. Um, I agree with everything, Glenn, except uh, you saying that the pressure is only on the Dodgers. I think that, you know, internally the Rays have to have a lot of pressure on themselves because they can't be comfortable with the future, meaning the AL is only going to get so much better because, you know, the Red Sox aren't going to be down for long. They never are. The Yankees are going to bounce back. The Astros are going to bounce back. Um, there are teams that really underperformed this year. The Nationals are uh, – that's uh, NL. But uh, there are teams that underperformed this year that um, really shouldn't have. But it was a weird year. Um, and I don't think the Rays – the Rays aren't going to lock up any of these guys long-term other than uh, whoever they just uh, – who did they sign? Meadows, right? They gave Meadows a long contract. They gave Snell five years, $50 million. That's they a gave steal, one hitter. by the way. They gave Absolute one hitter. Uh, they, they, one hitter. they re-upped Brandon Lau. Okay. So, other than that, they're not going to sign anyone else. So, now they're going to re- rebuild again internally. Um, so, I don't think that I, – I, I don't see the window for this group being that big meaning there are teams that are going to come back next year and punch them in the throat. So I think pressure is really on both teams. Um, I don't know. I think that the Dodgers lineup is so scary good. I don't see the Dodgers losing this series. I think this is the year the Dodgers get it done. It's like – it's a little tricky because I don't – I don't necessarily – I do understand where you're coming from with the Rays having a smaller window than most teams. Like, the Yankees' window is constantly open. The Rays' window might – they although they don't spend the money, they have the tools and the back-end prospects to be able to just keep funneling them in. This is all part of the master plan here with Tampa Bay. No, I get that, but next year? Like, I think that it will take another couple years for them to get back to this level of baseball. But, but we've seen it for the past three years that they've kind of been coming into their own and being this powerhouse team. They've been smacking the Yankees in the mouth for now the second year in a row. And they were competitive three years ago. Yeah, 2018, no, I, 2018, they won 90. 2019, they won 96. Um, and then this year, they, in a shortened season, won the division and were the one seed in the East. Um, I, agree with, I agree with Cash in terms of they can't afford these guys. Like, Blake Snell, even though he signed a five-year extension, he's not going to be a Ray forever. 
Like Tyler Glass, that was not going to be a Ray forever. They have guys that are controllable and locked Snell, up. Look at a Rosarina. Snell and, isn't going to even finish out this contract with the Rays. There's no way that they don't trade that contract. At some I point. mean, they traded Archer too. They do the same thing. I agree. But the problem, but, but the thing is with the Rays, the guys that they come in to replace those guys, like when they replaced an Archer or they replaced a Matt Garza or a David Price or all these guys that have been funneled in and out, it's almost immediate that the replacements contribute just as much or if not better than the guys that they came in to take over for. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying that has to be in the back of their minds that, you know, the Yankees had a bad year. The Red Sox had a bad year. The Blue Jays are up and coming. They got a young team that looked good. Um, the Astros had a bad year. Um, you know, there are teams, you know, I don't know, man. Like the Athletics always around. The Twins are on the rise. The AL is really good. Did the Astros have a bad year? I don't know. They, they were under 500. They, they ended the season 31 and 29, I believe. Not 29 and 31. It was 29 and 31? Yeah. Yeah. They I mean, Look, it's a 60-game sample. It was a bad regular season, but it wasn't a bad year. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. And, 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 so and, that's, that's even, and to Cash's, my point, point. To Cash's yeah. point, over 162, the Yankees might win that division instead of the tough regular season that they but had. That's where I disagree. This Rays team is legit. They're not just sneaking by. No, but I think what Cash is really trying to say, like if next year one of these two teams did fall backwards, it's more likely to be the Rays. Like completely, yes. Just because they're most likely they're gonna make a trade some off this off season where we're surprised by something that they do. Like they traded Tommy Pham this past off season and and got yeah. Margot and Renfro. Like that wasn't really like something that we saw coming, and no one really saw the production that Manny Margot is uh, you know having now in the postseason. Same thing with the trade to go pick up Randy or Rosarena, like they're going to do something where their roster is going to be completely different and it yeah. wouldn't be shocking for them to fall back, but it's also not shocking that they're where they are just because of their organizational, you know, thought process. Listen, all I'm saying is that this is the second time in the Rays history that they're in the world series. Um, and I believe they lost the first, no, they won. No, they lost in 2008 to the Phillies. Okay. So I was right. They lost. They got to make a move now. This needs to be for them. This needs to be their year, you know, because there are other teams saying the same thing. Like the Dodgers, this needs to be their year. If not, they're, they're going to be bounced back next year. The Nationals are going to bounce back. Like, I don't know. But in ter- just... terms of pressure, right? In terms of pressure, when the Dodgers have been here before and they've won eight straight division titles and they've been to three of the last four World Series in that large market where so much is expected of them. What like if they don't win this World Series? What World Series are they going to win? So you could spin that positively, though, can't you? You know they've like, been they've been in this situation for the last eight years. That's a lot of playoff experience. They know how to handle the pressure. They know how to play in the postseason, and this could be the year it all finally comes together. No, the race. No, it's a very this is a very young race team that hasn't played in the postseason all that much, and especially in the World Series. Um, I don't know. Cash, let's compare this to the championship that was just won by the Lakers, right? The Heat Lakers. Like, the Lakers had, in my opinion, all the pressure. They're the team that had LeBron James. They're the team that has this historic, like, franchise that was expected to win. And then the Miami Heat were this young, up-and-coming team. Not a lot of people saw them in the NBA Finals this year. They didn't have any pressure. I think that's this is a very similar series between those four franchises. I think the Dodgers and Lakers are comped. 
And then the Heat, the same two states are in the finals. Like the Heat and Rays are comp in terms of not much with no, nobody really said, oh, I think the Heat are going to make the finals. Oh, I think the Rays are going to be in the World Series. These two behemoths in the Lakers and Dodgers have more pressure than anyone just because of so, where they play. They play I, in Los Angeles. I totally see the comparison and I get it. I'm just to counter my argument is, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Heat have been there recently before, uh, as well as they've been a very relevant team for a long time. Even when in their down years, they're in the yes, playoffs. That, yeah, in, in name, but not in terms of the people on the roster today. No, you're right. But I also think that that um, competitive or that lack of experience hurt them in the finals, which no I doubt. think the lack, the lack of experience could hurt the Rays. It hasn't yet, but it could. Um, and I also think, um, uh, you know, to go off of your comment about taking Morton out in the fifth inning with what 70 something pitches, I think Kevin Cash could get a little too cute and he's following the analytics and that's fine. But, you know, I don't know. I, I just think that at some point you just got to play the game. So, and the Dodgers can play the game. And I was just about, that was my next jumping off point in terms of, you know, off the field or out of the field of play, the two managers in this series between Kevin Cash and Dave Roberts. Who do you guys think has the edge from a managerial standpoint, Kevin Cash or Dave Roberts, Kevin Cash, you know, does all these cute things and he's got this team this far, which is amazing. But Dave Roberts is this guy that's been here before and has just since he's been to the Dodgers has done nothing but win except for when he's gotten to this point in the world series. So who do you think, what team do you think has the advantage in terms of manager? I'm giving it to Kevin cash. Okay. I'll fuck myself. Whoops. I'm with, I'm with cash. I I think it's Roberts, but Todd, go ahead. Can we bleep that out? No, you're just going straight onto YouTube. Um, (laughs) Kevin cash is, one of the best managers in baseball. I don't think that's up for dispute, and I don't think I'd get any disagreement from any of you guys. But after the Yankees got knocked out in Game 7, and the Rays are celebrating on the field, Mike Brasso got pulled over for an interview. And it, I was pissed off at the time because, obviously, no Yankees baseball until February, March. Um, but Brasso is speaking to the reporter. I don't remember who it was. And basically said, I'm not an everyday player. I, don't, I go in when my matchup is favorable. I go out in the field when it's my turn to go out and play the field, basically. But I know that the guy that's sitting on the bench, if he takes my spot, is going to go do his job. And when I'm in to go play, I'm going to do my job. Something along those lines. The Rays are constructed exactly that way, to the point where they have a guy for every little need. Everybody has their strengths, and they maximize those strengths. They know how to get the most out of every single player on that roster. Can I ask you something on that point? On that point, and I'm not disagreeing with you that Kevin Cash is a good manager because he's great. Yeah, what's up? But could that also be a product of uh, the front office of the race building the right team for Kevin Cash rather than Kevin Cash's decision making? Because if I mean, we're going to be sure. honest, we're, if we're going to be honest, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not doubting that. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just pointing out that they're, they're the most analytically run team in baseball. Kevin Cash isn't making a lot of these decisions. The numbers are right. I, yeah. Okay. I, I think you get, I, I, I feel like we always get stuck on this topic of who's making the decisions. And the truth is we don't know. We know that the uh, analytics drive the decisions, but we, it, we don't know how much of it is actually within Kevin Cash's job description. So I feel like it's unfair to talk about it and take credit well, away from the guy. Well, I'm not. That's I mean, why I'm asking. 
I'm just There's nobody calling in from the booth telling him. No, I'm not saying there is. He's he's sitting with a binder in front of him with who who pitches or who hits best. You still got to pull the trigger, and you know, I mean, just as good as anybody that that's not an easy decision to make. And he's made the right moves throughout the game. There's not saying Kevin Cash says if he faces the lefty in the seventh inning, this is the guy that you put up there. No, see that I disagree with. I think there is a bullet point that says that. But it's not just clear cut like he gets scolded after the game by the front office if he doesn't make that move. I'm saying, like, there's no why pay a manager? Well, if you, you talk about so, what so happened the in argu- game seven that, when they had Morton out for 68 pitches through six innings and they didn't bring him out because it's the third time through, that's something in the binder that says but that I com- but that's guidance. That's batting average against goes up when it's the third time. See, through. Tyler, that's the argument, and that's what you know. No, I completely understand I, the argument. When Aaron Boone got hired by the Yankees, uh, I watched the Michael K show, and this was the argument. This is the conversation that they had on that show, which is, what's the purpose of hiring a manager? I and you know Michael K made a comment along the lines of, "It's someone to talk to the media." You know, at this point, it's someone to, and for lack of a better term, babysit these guys because it's someone to just be the face of the team because the front office and the, the analytical numbers are making a lot of decisions at this point. And Whether I think that's, that's or- true or not, I don't it's, know. And that's organizational because I yeah. then I think it's the complete opposite in LA where I think Dave Roberts does have a lot of free reign to pick and choose where he wants guys to go. Like if we're talking analytics, Julio Urias is probably coming out of the game in the ninth inning because the the Braves had Ozzy Albies, um, I guess Swanson and Riley to end the game three right-handed hitter, one switch hitter and two right-handed hitters, Where and Albies is a much better right-handed hitter in a one-run game. Like, analytically, the book's saying bring in Kenley Jansen, flip Ozzy Albies to the left side, and then face Swanson and Riley with a righty, but Urias was pitching so well that Dave Roberts, you know, left him in there to finish the game. because so that furthers my point, and I think that's what you were saying. It furthers yeah. my point that, like, if that was different team, if the Rays were in that if situation, that was Kevin Cash is pulling them. Yeah, it's organizational. It's, right. it's organizational. Right. And I think the same thing with the Yankees. Aaron Boone would have pulled them because there are some teams that have no – they add no human value to the game anymore. It's more just literally by the numbers, you know – this is what the numbers tell me. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, and the, and the numbers don't, like, account for who's hot and, like, which pitcher might be a little tired. Like, Brian Snicker put Chris Martin – left Chris Martin in the game the other night and let Bellinger hit that home run. Like, that's a situation where Chris Martin should be coming out of the game numbers-wise. So – and it also – like, the numbers expect that relief pitcher to be on their A game that night even if they are well-rested, like that's not always going to happen. Like you see it bullpens after like over and over again, like they're going to get hit eventually. And like, everybody's got to be on their a game that at that moment. And it, that's just, it's not realistic for that to happen all the time. I completely agree. I mean, my, I guess I'm not going to harp on this way too much, but my final little closing argument for this is if I were a GM, and I were to hire a guy to be that face of the franchise, a guy with the personality of Aaron Boone is the guy I'd want as the face of my franchise talking to the media. Kevin Cash is so clear, cut, and dry. Like I, I, I feel like 
the appeal with him is his brain. And that's, I think he's a lot more involved with what it is. As far as the Yankees case goes, and I don't want to deviate from the topic so much, a guy like Boone has that personality. He's going to go out and say we're savages in the box. He's going to go scream like that. Not that Kevin Cash doesn't stick up for his team, but he's more of a quiet figure to the point where I don't think he has that allure of just being a talking head for the team, for the franchise. I just think there's a lot more behind Kevin Cash. And I kind of wish like a documentary comes out where he has like a tell-all interview or something down the, down the road because that would be extremely interesting to watch. That's a well-oiled machine, and that raised team. I guess I'm going to well, keep it started. With, it's, it started with John Madden. John Madden. Yeah. I mean, I, to an extent, I feel Madden. like he's Did a I guy that's John not Madden? so analytical. He's not so analytical. And he hates, like, he hates whoa, the analytics. Not so whoa, No, he's, he's the king of analytics. But he not started. back when he was with the Rays. Yo, he yeah. started it. He, started, he was the one that started these extreme shifts. Well, the shifts, but, I mean. That's all that's analytics. analytics. I, I, I mean, I don't Percentage know. wise, lefties are going to hit the ball to the right side like 90% of the time. So why have Joe a Madden brought <laughs> analytics to baseball? He is the king of it. So, I mean, I guess that's a good point because the Cubs are kind of going in more of that direction. I, I don't know and where now he's with the Angels. And now he's with the Angels. I know, but they brought in a guy like David Ross that doesn't have any experience. So that, I right, feel like that is, that's one Madden's, of those hires where they're following Madden's system. I mean, Madden put it in fair. and, and, he did the same with the Rays, and, and Kevin Cash is picking up where he left off. And then, you know, now Ross is picking up where Madden left off and with the Cubs. And what all I'm saying is, and I'm not taking anything away from Kevin Cash, I'm just saying a lot of these decisions have to be organizationally because some of these decisions can't be backed up by an organization if it wasn't an organizational yeah. decision. I just said organization a lot. But, you know, like the – the game two debacle with the Yankees. And this is the last thing I'll say about the Yankees because they suck. But the game two debacle with the Yankees, that had to have been an organizational decision. Because if it's not, Aaron Boone probably loses his job. Because that could have blown yeah. the series. All right. I have yeah. one final thought that I was going to get to real quick. For a team like the Rays, and I touched on it before, where they're using every single guy on their roster and they're squeezing the absolute juice out of them getting every last bit of talent that they can and every last bit of production in the correct situations for that to be an organizational, I guess, moral standard and something they hold themselves to. I find it hard to believe that it's not also held up when tr with trying to get the most out of a manager in Kevin. Oh, I agree. So I, I, he's got to be contributing his part and it's not just holding pom-poms. I'll tell you that. So, yeah, I mean, both managers are terrific. Dave Roberts does have that experience. This is now his third World Series. He has a bunch of playoff games under his belt. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, a veteran a, a veteran playoff manager in, um, in Roberts goes up against more of a newer guy in Kevin Cash who's managing in his first World Series. I want to circle back to the conversation we had about pressure. We had more of a broad kind of conversation about pressure in terms of the teams and the franchises and the Rays and the Dodgers, I want to individualize it for a second. I want to talk about the Dodgers game one starter, Clayton Kershaw. Now, you don't make it – the Dodgers have made it look very easy over the course of the last decade, making the playoffs and going to the World Series for three times out of, out of the last four years. But even though they've made it look easy, we know as Yankee fans, and Scott knows as a Phillies fan who hasn't been to the playoffs in like a decade, it's not easy to continuously get back to that at a consistent level. Like – at some point, it's the dynasty or the run is going to end. So Clayton Kershaw has 
only uh, so many more opportunities to kind of preserve his legacy, so to speak. Now, if you ask me, I think his postseason struggles and the kind of label he has about like being a choke artist is a little overblown, in my opinion. I think a lot of the times when he's failed, it hasn't always been his fault. But the numbers are what the numbers are. He has gotten blown up at times in the World Series, in the playoffs. So game one, and thinking if this goes seven, he's going to get one, four, seven, somewhere along those lines. He's going to get three starts if it goes seven. This might be one of his last chances to preserve his postseason legacy. And if he really wants to be known as one of the greatest pitchers of all time, he needs this ring more than any other player, coach, or manager that's going to be involved in this World Series. I want it for him. I mean, I'm a huge Clayton Kershaw fan. Like, I have a jersey in my closet. It's from China. It's a fake. But, look, (laughs) the guy, I feel so bad for him. He's a good guy. He pitches well. He's one of the best pitchers of all time. But, like you said, he can't get it done. And it's so widely known. And I just – I feel bad for him. Like, I want him to get it done. I almost want him to come in late in the innings um, of game seven and close it out and send him there and then continue the run – through the World Series. And look, it that would make me happy. If Kershaw got a ring and the Rays didn't win the World Series because I don't want to have to hear about the world champion Rays 19 times next year, that, that would just be fantastic. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ty. The, the sentiment is out there that everybody in baseball wants him to succeed. Nobody wants him to pitch poorly because everyone knows how good this guy is. His entire career, regular season, he's arguably one of the best pitchers of all time and one of the best left-handed pitchers of all time. He's been pretty good this postseason. He had the one bad start in game game four of the NLCS where he gave up four runs, but he's been pretty solid so far. And he missed the one start because of his back. But we all want him to succeed. And what Ty said, you know, coming in late in the game, kind of get that that Madison Baumgartner uh, moment where he pitches so well, like he starts out well starting games, and then the Dodgers pull him out into the bullpen to, you know, late in the series as a weapon is an opportunity as well to, you know, solidify this guy's legacy. He he really does deserve it, just because of how good he is and how well liked he is across Major League Baseball. I'm reading this article right now, and he's got um, the worst. Uh, ERA for a starting pitcher um, who's thrown at least – sorry, I missed this. Um, I have his um, – as you collect yourself, Ty, I have his World Series pitching staff stats. In 2017, he had two starts and one relief appearance. He went 15 and two-thirds innings, gave up nine hits, seven earned runs. That's good for a 4.02 ERA. Gave up five – gave up two home runs. In 2018, against the Red Sox, he got he got absolutely blown up. He went 0-2, 7.36 ERA, only 11 innings pitched in those two games, 14 hits, 9 earned runs, 3 home runs. So his first two World Series weren't good at all. And we judge our athletes today in any sport, whether it be basketball with LeBron James or football with you know Tom Brady. The best of the best get judged on what they do this time of year when it's not about the regular season with those kind of guys. So Kershaw in game one, if the Rays, if the Rays of all team who don't have the greatest offense in the world, if the Rays go out there and they chase him after five and a third and 
get and score six runs, that's just going to add to the narrative that this guy sucks in the playoffs. And I don't think it's fair because I think he's one of the best pitchers of all time. He's certainly top three in terms of left-handers of all time. There's a lot of pressure on Clayton Kershaw to get the job done in this series, especially right off the bat in game one, because you can make the argument that with the pitching that the Dodgers have now with Bueller and May, that Kershaw's – Bueller, I'm sorry, yeah. Bueller and May and Urias and all these guys coming up, that Kershaw's days as the number one guy in Los Angeles are coming to a close. They so already wanted to get that World Series. The, when he's, still, he's not the number one guy anymore. I don't know. I think he's still quote unquote the number one. I think. Bueller's, no, I agree. I mean, Bueller's if opening better than the, him at this if point. Op, right, if opening day was tomorrow, I'm sure Kershaw would get the start because of the name, but. Um, I mean, Walker Bueller is the guy in Los Angeles. I mean, he's still good. Oh, I'm not saying he's not. I don't know. Bueller's um, going to start game there. two. Bueller. But, you know, he's getting the ball game one to set the tone for the series. If he gets blown up, um, all, all those naysayers about how he is in the playoffs, they're just going to get louder and louder and louder. And eventually, even though, you know, some of those games weren't his fault, eventually you're just going to have to concede if this guy doesn't turn it around and say, you know what? Maybe it's maybe he's just not a postseason guy. Like remember early on in LeBron's career, that was his thing. Like he couldn't win, he couldn't win a finals. He got bounced by the Celtics every year. Before Peyton Manning won his Super Bowl, you know he didn't do a great job in the playoffs before he beat the uh, Bears in that Super Bowl. It, it happens with all the all-time greats, and that's a, Kershaw you, really that's a hard that comparison, there. Glenn. I don't think it is. I mean, you're looking at LeBron James and Peyton Manning. If those two don't play phenomenal at their position their team's not going to win but you know the Dodgers could still win a World Series without Clayton Kershaw being his top notch and they just haven't done it they haven't been able to close the door and I think that it's a test the whole organization not just Clayton Kershaw I mean going back to 2017 he was great at home in those two world I think he started two games in the World Series at home no, he started the Just one walked, that was he like... He started the one at home, and he was great. But then he had the two absolute duds at Houston. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all bashed the Astros. Like, I feel like we kind of can throw those two games out of the, you know, the window because of what was going on there. Um he just even, even without that, he got blown up by the Red Sox. He got blown up by Howie Kendrick last year. He's gotten blown up by the Cardinals in the past. Didn't the Red Sox also cheat? Yeah, not to the same extent, but okay. Yes. But yeah, he just deserves it at this point. I, we all—he's running into some shit. Look, I think we all want him to succeed I tomorrow agree. night. We all want him to shove the ball down the throats of the Rays and you know have a good series. And maybe he does, and I hope he does. So I think we should make this podcast a pro Clayton Kershaw podcast. I agree, I but so, I, so, I do—I did promise you a stat, and I'm going to give it to you, <laughs> Thank um, you Tyler. Thank you. He has the worst ERA in the postseason of any pitcher in MLB history that has pitched at least 100 innings with a 4.43, which I mean, that's bad. It's not like super awful. It's not that's what bad. you want in the postseason because runs are definitely uh, something you need. But it seems it seems to happen late in the game when everything's yeah. on the line. Like remember, I mean, Matt Adams hit a big home run against him with the Cardinals that one year. Howie Kendrick in extra innings in Game Five. It's not fair, really, to blame that for him. He's coming out of the bullpen, doesn't do that a lot. But I, I remember a lot of the blow-ups happen late in the games that the Dodgers can't come back from. 
yeah, I, the six men ahead of him with more postseason innings, postseason innings pitched are um, Verlander with 187.2, Maddox with 198, Clemens 199, John Smoltz with 209, Glavin 218, and Andy Pettit with a whopping 276 innings. None of those guys have an ERA, ERA over four. Um, Pettit's the closest with a 3.8, Clemens with a 3.7. Um, of course, Yankee pitchers with above three and a half ERA in the in the postseason. Shocker, not not terrible, but still, um, they all have a world. They also pitched during an era that was the steroid ever. Also true, and they were both also on. Yeah, steroid. but now the balls are juiced. So. I don't think they're juiced this year. I don't think anyone said that they were juiced this year. They're not. Oh, you think they? Deep. You think they got the product they want, and they said, "Oh no, never mind." Let's <laughs> it, guys. It. We're going back to normal. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't hear much about it this year, so I just figured that because you know, it, it was oh, so, so much more to talk year. about. It's just accepted at this point. Okay. Whatever. So, yep. Kershaw gets the ball tomorrow against Blake Snell. Um, you know, I was just thinking about this. You know who would be a great pitcher in this time? Phil Hughes. Okay. <laughs> no, because like home runs, like home runs are so much more common, right? So like if you get a, if you give up forty home runs, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. The media is not going to kill you for it. You just turn around and say, eh, "Balls are juiced," and Phil Hughes is the king of the home run. I, I'm just putting it out there. I got Phil Hughes back. Yeah. So is Luis Sessa, and he's not such a great pitcher. I don't enjoy watching him. He gives up a decent amount of home runs. But Phil Hughes is a ring, so. Yeah, the last one the Yankees have. He has. He was a part of it. He was in the bullpen. He was, he was a big part bullpen. of it. Yep, him and Jabba in that bullpen. And then they b- tried to make both starters, and neither worked out. So, But you know who did? I digress, I digress from the Yankees. Um, this is about the Rays and the Dodgers. Let's talk about the lineups. Um, for the Rays, we, we need to – somebody needs to help out Randy or Rosarina. I don't think he's going to carry them against the Dodger against the Dodgers, especially with the arms that the Dodgers throw. And really, the Astros they, they they did well, but you know they didn't have Berlander and Cole there. So now with a Rosarina going to face Bueller and Kershaw and Urias and May and all these guys, it, he can't carry that load by himself. So who are you guys looking to from the Rays lineup to kind of be that second guy? Because Lau hasn't been that great. Meadows is in and out of the lineup. Um, so Margot, who, who are we looking at for the race to be that second, you know, RBI guy in the lineup in this world series? Well, um, I'm going to throw him a nod here because he's the first Korean position player to play in a world series. Um, and that guy is G man Choi, um, hitting 290 in the postseason. He's got two dingers, one, maybe both off of Garrett Cole. Now one off Garrett Just one, right? one was against the Astros. Yeah. Um, look, he's really the compliment to Randy Rosarina. Like, he's the left-handed pop that they have um, to go with all of their pe- – I mean, at least when Meadows isn't in the lineup, which, I mean, he hasn't been doing well. He's four for 35 this year, I mean, in the postseason at least, um, with a 162 on base percentage. So, what is that, like two walks? Yeah, two walks, 12 strikeouts. Um. But a Rosarina struck out 15 times, but you're getting the production out of him. So, you, I mean, you can take that. Um, I mean, every time he makes contact, it seems to go over the fence. Yeah. I mean, Margot is hitting 255. Uh, Wendell's hitting 255. I mean, these are guys with significant at bats like Michael Perez, uh, 286, but he's only got two, he's two for seven. I mean, they're, they're not 
this is just postseason baseball, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for some kind of indicator here while checking these stats out. But, I mean, you're not going to have five guys in your lineup hitting over 300 or even over 250 for that matter. It's all about the big hit. And the Rays are a team that can – I don't want to bring the term up, but play small ball in a way. They can get runners on. They get runners over when it matters. Um, on base percentages, Home runs though, win World Series. Up and down. Home runs win World Series. <laughs> yeah, sure. Glad, glad to hear your buy name, Cash. I'm not. I'm just being an asshole. <laughs> I mean, the thing I want to look at here is on base percentage. I'm not going to read you down the line, but they have – uh, just, I mean, quick glance, I think seven or eight guys over 300 on base percentage. Like, that's what you need. Like, that's over three, like 300 on base percentage is not like, oh, my God, in the major leagues over, cor- or the, over the course of a regular season. But when you look at the playoffs, I mean, I'll take that any day of the week. You're getting on base three out of ten times, three and a half out of ten times. Like, that's, that's good. You're passing the baton to the next guy, and then the home run can win you the ball game. Yeah. How's that for a compromise? You like that? <laughs> I, I, I think it. I think it's Brandon Lau that needs to step up and be better. Start of the year, we were talking about this guy as a potential MVP candidate. Yes, he did get hurt and missed some time, and he tailed off. But it's time for him to step up. He's one of the only few guys on this team that actually has a long-term contract. Um, so I, I think it's time for him to get going. But a guy that's really surprised me so far this postseason is Mike Zanino. Yep. Uh, he's hit a ton of big home runs. Um, he has, let's see, he's got eight hits this postseason. I want to check his regular season stats real quick. I know he missed a lot of time. He had 11 hits in the regular season. Uh, so, so the guy, the guy's not there for his bat, but he's, he's stepped up pretty big for them recently, hit a bunch of big home runs. Um, he strikes out a lot, but he hits a lot of home runs as I keep saying here. Um, he's somebody that could have a, a nice moment. Uh, for the Rays, um, but I, I think it is Brandon Lau that needs to be that that number two guy next to Rosarena for the World Series for the Rays to have a chance. Anyone catch your eye, Cash? Yeah, that's what I was just taking a look at. I mean, I I think they they got to go with the next man up mentality. Bottom line, it's just whoever's hot that 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 person needs to come through, whether it's Lau or whether it's G Man Choi or you know, whether a no-name comes off the bench and starts raking, that's who they're going to have to rely on because this Dodgers lineup is scary good. My little wild card is someone who doesn't have a huge bat and hasn't really hit well in this postseason in any of the first three rounds. But I like his game. I like the way he looks as a ball player. I think Willie Adamas is the dark horse for the Rays in this series. I think, you know, he's a guy that might get overlooked when a Kershaw or Bueller are navigating through this line of trying to avoid a Rosarina or the power of Choi or the potential of a guy like Lau or Meadows. So I think Adamus, the shortstop, is a guy that can fly under the radar, all of a sudden be up in terms of, you know, runners in scoring position. Maybe the batter in front of him got intentionally walked. I think Willie Adamus, both at the plate and then in the field at shortstop, he's going to play a major role in this series one way or the other. And, and he's a guy playing for his job. Um, I sent you guys the picture um, in the group chat before this. Wander Franco mm-hmm. um, is in Arlington with the roster, the raised top prospect who's 19 years old. He's, he's shortstop knocking on the door, like pretty close to being ready to go. And Adamus is a guy who's, whose job is on the line because of it. Uh, so it is a time for him to step up 
he's a great defender. He's got a great arm. We've seen it in the past. It, if he steps up and hits, that's a huge plus for the Rays. What do you think the odds are that it actually happens, that Franco gets into a game? Or not just gets into a game, but like actually you know, is called upon in a big moment? I don't, I don't see it. Uh, it's comparable to when the, uh, the Royals called up uh, Alberto Mondesi in 2015, I guess. I, don't, I think it was 15 when he was 19 mm-hmm. years old. And they brought him up just basically to be a pinch runner. Um, he's better. Franco's better than, uh, than Mondesi is. But I, I, I don't see him getting in in a big spot or really even contributing if he if he does play just because of the moment. He hasn't played baseball. He hasn't played real baseball all year long. He's mm-hmm. been at the alternate site just scrimmaging. Like, that's that's not real. It's simulated stuff. I just don't see him having a major impact if he plays at all, if he's even on the roster. Ty, have anything to add? No. All right, so let's – Let's do dark horse on the other side with the Dodgers. It's hard to pick a dark horse because everyone seems to be a superstar on that team. But if you're focused on one guy to step up for the Dodgers offensively, because we talked about Kershaw already. So offensively on the Dodgers, who's, who needs to step up? Justin Turner. Okay. That's it. Would you like no. to elaborate? No analysis. Why cash? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just feel I, there's so many star-studded hitters on this team that, like, Justin Turner could kind of be the forgotten piece at times. And, you know, you can't pitch around everybody. You know, you're going to have to pitch around guys like Bellinger and Mookie in those crucial situations. You're not going to throw them cookies down the middle, but that means you got to pitch to somebody. And Justin Turner could be the guy that the Rays have to just pitch to. You know, we saw against the Yankees, the Rays are really good at pinning the corners when they need to. Um so I think that Justin Turner's got, got to be a guy that goes up there with really good patience, waits for his pitch to hit, and drives the ball over the fence. Oh, you mean a home run in the postseason? Why? Why is that so, Cash? I thought that was a bad thing. You guys are Friendly banter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, who's your, who's your Dodger to watch? Um, mine's going to be Max Muncy. Um, mm, for one that was reason. mine, so I'll pick another one. Because um, you're going to get Snell, who's a lefty, and you're going to get Glasnow, and you're going to get Morton. Um, I just feel like they're going to benefit more from a left-handed bat stepping up than I'm not saying Justin Turner wouldn't be an impact guy because he absolutely can and he should be. Um, But I think they can get more because they're going to get more opportunities facing right-handed pitching from the Rays because, I mean, even their bullpen is stacked with hard-throwing righties. So Muncie has that ballpark ability where he can spray it out of the park, all over the park. Um, Yeah, I don't – he's – not like overwhelming this postseason. He's not doing terrible. He's hitting like two, two eleven, and but he's an all base guy. Like he, yeah. I mean, he's been on base uh, about four. And he's a lefty too. That's big. four to ten times. It's mostly because of the left-handed matchups. I mean, I think he's gonna have more chances to really showcase his talents. And we've seen him pop off in the playoffs before. Uh, so he, I think if he catches fire, we could be good. So yeah, especially against a guy like Glass now in game two, he's so tough yeah. on righties. Glass now, hundred percent. So you're gonna need a Bellinger or a Muncie or a Seager from the left side to really get to Glass now because it's gonna be hard for the right-handers too. Scott, who's your Dodger? Uh, so my Dodger is same same thought process as Ty. Um, another lefty bat, it's Jack Peterson. Oh, um, matchup, he's he's great in the postseason. Yeah, they, they were showing his postseason stats the other day. 
he hits his first career. He's hitting like two, I think close to 260 for his career in the postseason with eight homers. And for the matchup purposes, you know, he's probably going to sit game one uh, because the starter Snell. So AJ Pollock's going to start there, but the rest of the way, it's probably going to be Jock Peterson either in left field or DHing, probably DHing um, with Chris Taylor playing left, but he's just got the opportunity to do something big. He's a guy that's going to hit at the bottom of the lineup, but he's going to have the chance to drive in runs because as Cash said, the Rays are going to be pitching around some other guys and Peterson's going to have the opportunity to step up um, and, and drive the ball and drive in some runs. Um, Cause outside of Snell, they have Aaron loop in the bullpen. Who's a soft throwing lefty. Um, and then they have Jose Alvarado who just came back from the IL who, hasn't pitched a ton this year. I think that's their only three lefties on the the roster. So it's going to be a a big opportunity for the Dodger left-handed hitters uh, in the World Series here. Yeah, so my Dodger – oh, go ahead. Sorry. You want to know why I think Jock Peterson is so good in the postseason? It's because – you know his, like, signature swing? It's not even a signature swing. It's his swing where he just flails his wrists and it just goes – I think it's like a nervous thing in the playoffs where he just like simplifies things and just goes quick to the ball and just slaps it. Like the amount of times where he's hit that little bullpen alcove in uh, left field at Dodger Stadium with a home run is ridiculous to me. It's opposite field. He barely clears it over the wall as he just slaps it. That's it. I think that's why he's good. I think it'll be really funny if Jock Peterson – does something huge in this World Series and is the reason why the Dodgers won because people they forget he, he was traded to the Angels for 48 hours. Like, he was not on the Dodgers anymore yeah. for a quick second. So that'd be really funny if, you know, all these months later, um, Jock ends up doing something special for the Dodgers. My Dodger to watch is going to be the catcher, the Fresh Prince, Will Smith. He's been up and down in this mm-hmm. postseason. Um, didn't do much against Atlanta in the NLCS. Had Did that really huge game that? against – what? You just call him the Fresh Prince. The Fresh Prince. His name's Will Smith. No, I, I got the, I got the reference, but I, I have secondhand embarrassment. I like the reference. That's Thank his walk-up. You. Tyler, do you like the reference? That's his walk-up. Yeah, I thought it was good. I'm sorry. Okay, good. So uh, you're outnumbered, Cash. It was a good reference, and you shouldn't be secondhand embarrassed. His walk-up song is the theme song to Fresh yeah, Prince. Yeah. So you know what, Cash? You know, if you don't like my references, then just hop off the show. This is an entanglement. To do it to further the references. Um, I think Will Smith, he had that huge game against the Padres in the closeout game, five for five, whatever it was. If he can get going on top of what they already have, just icing on the cake, it'll be really hard for the Rays to win this series if, you know, the catcher of the Dodgers is hitting. Because we know Mookie's going to show up. We know Bellinger's going to show up. We know all these guys are going to have their moments. A Will Smith clutch at bat or clutch hit that brings in two or three runs, that could be like a backbreaker. Because if you're the Rays, you're looking for these holes in the Dodgers lineup. Where can I get an out? Because it's so hard to find in that lineup. And sometimes, like especially now when he's like hasn't been hitting well, you can look at Will Smith and say, oh, the catcher, he's the guy that we can kind of exploit. If he has a big series here, I don't see how the Rays um, – I don't think – I don't know how they counter that. So Will Smith is going to be my guy to watch in – in this series, we're going to get to our picks and MVP pick in a second. But before we do, there's one Dodger we need to talk about because we'd be doing a disservice if we did a podcast about the Dodgers and not talked about movie bets. This guy did not hit that well in the NLCS, but still 
as all the great ones do, made their presence felt. The defensive plays he made in this series against the Braves were legendary. The shoestring catch to get the double play, save them in game six, was it? Yes. Five or six? Uh, that, was, a home that, was, run. that was five, game five. There's, there, there's just so many catches that you lose track of game, what he game did five, which he game made it was. This, yeah, he made, he made a catch in game five, six, and seven. Catches at the wall, shoestring catches. One of the best offensive players in the game made his presence felt on the defensive side. And if he doesn't make those plays, the Braves are in the World Series. So Mookie Betts, what? just imagine trading him. Imagine saying we can't afford him, we have to get rid of him. Imagine somebody saying he's not worth the money. I didn't say that. Oh, wow. Someone's getting defensive. I don't know. I didn't say that. <laughs> I just said nobody's worth the money. But if, if people are going to pay that price, and yes, he deserves that contract, but I don't think – forget it. I suck. You know it's recorded. If you're a Red Sox fan, right? Side. If you're a Red Sox fan or in the Red Sox front office watching this series – Got to hurt. Or how, how are you alive? How do you not jump off a building? You made a huge mistake. That's horrible. Yeah. The, like Alex Verdugo better be the best player ever. Jeter Downs must be the, has to be the best shortstop in your franchise's history. He better be better than like a Nomar or whoever your best shortstop is or, the, or Xander. He better be better than those guys because you got rid of a generational talent a Hall of Fame guy. Those prospects better work out for Boston. Yeah, it, it's crazy that the Red Sox just just gave up on him like that. They also gave up on Brutzer Gratterall too. The, the, I mean, throwing 102 miles an hour, like it, you know, it's playing yeah, catch in the backyard. It's ridiculous. But yeah, the, the catches he's made, and I, I that's said a big this. that's a big outfield there in Texas, like, and those are big walls that he's skying over to catch. It, like Spider Man. He's I said this. I said this a few months ago, and I'll say it again. I don't want to defend the Red Sox at all. I hate the Red Sox with all my heart. Um, but it takes two to tango, and there had to have been some sort of thought process that maybe Mookie won't sign the long contract with the Red Sox, and they needed to get something for him. Yeah, but I think it, was it, a, it just doesn't it seem like be. they even tried. I think it was more of a financial reset more than anything else. We'll never know because we're not in the room. You don't but, financially reset by letting the best player on your team walk. I'm sorry. You can't do that. Especially when you're the Red Sox. But There yeah. has to be something we don't know then. Yeah, they paid J.D. JD Martinez too much money, and he's probably holding them at gunpoint. That's probably why. Yeah, they, Can they, he opt out? JD, yeah, he's yeah. not doing it. Why would he? That's true. That's fair. He's, especially after the year he had this year. he's not. He wouldn't get close to the money. But yeah. Mookie, yep. great player. Number great two player. in baseball. And he's crushed right-handed pitchers this year, and he's going to face a bunch of them here in this World Series. Uh, he struggled against lefties, but he's mashed against righties this year. So that's in his favor. He's, he's got a great opportunity to you know, make some noise and really really put himself on the map as, one as, as the best player in the game outside of Trout. All righty. So, with all that said, let's finally get into our predictions. I'm going to ask you what team's going to win, how many games, and your MVP. Okay. Let me kick it off. I'll kick it off. You can kick it off. All right. I'm going to go Dodgers in six. And what was it? MV- just MVP? Yeah. 
Dodgers in six, and it's going to be Mookie Betts. I feel like that's a cop-out pick, but it's safe. I mean, that's why they brought him over here, to finally get them over the hump. So He's done it in the World Series before. He has. It hasn't making me happy, but it's okay. Scott. Um, I'll go. I'll go Dodgers in seven, just because I want as much postseason baseball as possible. Um, my World Series MVP pick is going to be Clayton Kershaw. As I said, I, I it, this is a positive Clayton Kershaw podcast. I want it for him, but my dark horse pick, pick is Kike Kike Hernandez. I Ooh, love that good name. We didn't say him today. I love him so much. Mm-hmm. I would do so many things to have him on the Phillies. He's just just a great he's a great baseball player. He does whatever is asked of him. He would be great on the race. Um so my my sleeper pick, he guy's guy's clutch, but my main pick is Kershaw. All right, Cash, who do you got? I'm gonna double down. You're gonna say the Rays? No, no, you no, no. <laughs> I'm I'm an LA guy. I want this for the city oh, of Los Angeles. Give me Angeles. a break. <laughs> Many, oh wait, my God! Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out on the field. How many times have you been to Los Angeles? Six or seven. Whatever it is, it's not enough. Oh, really? Okay, I thought you were gonna say zero. No, I've been to Dodger Stadium multiple times. I'm not a Dodgers fan. I'm rooting against the Rays, and I think it'd be nice for the city of Los Angeles after the Lakers winning the finals to win the World Series. Yeah, they're deprived, Cash. They're so deprived. Those poor Los Angeles kids. Like, when was the last no, time the Dodgers won the goes, World Series? Nothing ever goes right for them. Ever, I don't. I don't. I don't. You I don't know what you're trying to say. The Lakers never win. The Kings haven't won. A All right. So you want to make that? You want to make that joke? You can make that joke. How miserable are you that the Yankees never win? It's been ten Very years. Miserable. I haven't yeah. slept all day. I haven't slept. Okay. In the Lakers never won the finals before this month in ten years. Let's be real. Most Laker fans aren't from LA. What the fuck are you trying to say? Well, well it wasn't really it wasn't really pointed at you, but also kind of pointed at you, and you took offense to it again for Why? the second time in the show. General comments. No, it was definitely pointed at me. Moving on. Dodgers and four. Justin Turner four. MVP. Justin no Turner wins for MVP. the race. Wow. Sweep. Okay. You think I the like you it? think the Dodgers are that much better than the race? Did I just say Dodgers and four, or okay. did I say Dodgers okay. and four? Okay. So sensitive all the time. <laughs> all right i'm gonna go dodgers and six so we got a sweep on this podcast do you think the Rays are gonna win twice Ooh. the Rays are a good team i think the Rays suck i also think the dodgers have momentum from coming back rather than the rays you know having to hold off the astros i think there's a momentum factor as well um dodgers and six um muncie mvp i think he hits a couple of huge home runs in late innings and I think the Dodgers win the World Series for the first time since 1988. And for the city, it'll be the first time they won a championship in five days. That kind, that drought is just inexcusable. You're such yeah. a loser. It's rough. I feel like Muncie has to be that, the Kyle Schwarber equivalent to the Cubs World Series win. Does that make sense? Does that analogy make sense? I feel like no, it does. No, it doesn't. Schwarber came back. He didn't play all year. And then Muncy's been there the entire time. I know he didn't play all year, but he got a couple big hits in the postseason that really made a difference. Oh, just the comp is just because he's a big lefty. Well, yeah, part of it. That's okay. why I thought it was a, a better analogy than it was. I thought clearly. you were talking about like the story, uh, the le- the the whole story of it. I don't know. I don't know. Just performance, pure performance. 
Do we have winners and losers of the week or no? Uh, I mean, I don't have any prepared. No, no I didn't think about it. I do. I want to throw something out here. If the Rays, oh, please. if the Rays do win the World Series, mm-hmm. puts a lot of pressure on Tom Brady to go win a Super Bowl. Because it the does. Tampa, Tampa Bay Lightning just won the Stanley Cup. The Rays can win this World Series. We're talking about Tampa's title town, not LA. We're talking about Tampa. Tampa, Florida, is the it's champion. It's an okay place. Of the world. It's, it's not a, my favorite city in Florida. Eh place, but. You know, that's that's not something you'd say very often is pressure on Tom Brady to go win a Super Bowl. Um, but it would be. Who would have thought that Tampa would be the center of the sports world? Go Yankee spring training sick. in Tampa. <laughs> Love Yankee spring training in Tampa. I've a lot been, of fun. It's, I've been multiple times. It's a lot of fun. I've been one time, and I wore Yankee pinstripe pants because I was very little. Oh, what year was this? Uh, had to have been like 2017. 2005. Ooh, that's cool. A while ago. 2005. It's cool because you get to you get to see them up close and they like talk to you. It's fun. Yeah, we were waiting by the fence like on the last day we were there. I think it's like a minor league baseball game. Cash will appreciate this story. I had a very nice interaction with Nick Swisher. Nice 30 second conversation. He's a very nice man. He's your guy. Seems like he's wearing the chain. Seems like a good guy. There it is. So, at the end of the day, we all have the Dodgers in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, that, that's it. That's our analysis on the World Series. And we will be back when the World Series is over, and we'll dissect everything that happened in the four to seven games that we saw, and we'll do a little preview for the offseason. And then that's it. That would be the end of the baseball season. We started this podcast in May when we still didn't know if there would be a baseball season. So, I guess we have to give props to MLB. Not a lot of people thought this would happen. But they got through it. They got through a whole 60-game-plus playoffs. They made it work out, so I think they deserve props. We talk about Manfred a lot and how critical we are of the decisions he made, but credit to credit was due. Manfred figured it out against all odds. I think it was really funny, and it's a real telltale sign. We did, like, from the start of this podcast, or at least the transition of the podcast from radio to podcast, we did, like – two or three season previews because it kept getting pushed back. (laughs) (laughs) We did like an over under. We did. We should return next week. We should go back to the over unders and see how we did. I could go pull those and we could revisit it. Yeah. We know the episodes up there. It's on the YouTube. I got one right and one wrong. So I know cash got the Red Sox one wrong. He said they come. He said they come in second. I got got the Orioles wrong. wrong. I got a lot of things wrong. I know you picked the Yankees over, did you not? I did. I think we all had the Yankees over. I, but I did have the Yankees and Dodgers in the World Series. So Scott had the point. Phillies winning the division. I remember that. Yeah, not, not, not good. I'm batting 500. Not I'm going good. to the Hall of Fame. You get half a cookie. That's right. I see you. Thank so you. that's that's it. That, that's half what we're going to talk about next trophy. week. I like it. So with that all said, Enjoy the World Series because it's going to be the last form of baseball we're going to see until March, which always makes us sad. But it should be a good series. Hopefully it's a long one. Hopefully the Dodgers win because I can't handle the Rays being the world champions. I refuse. Um, so with You're all that so said, dramatic. I am. Everybody knows this already. You're not shocking anybody. God, can I wrap up the show now? Okay, good. 
For Tyler Boone, take Alex Cashman, Scott Rosso. My name is Glenn Zanagris. Thank you for listening to Base Hitball 4. We'll see you next episode.